0: A lot of Christmas energy and Christmas excitement, but that's good to see. Um, Well, speaking of Christmas uh, and that very first Christmas, what would you imagine, let's say 2,000 years ago, the birth of Jesus, if instead of wise men visiting the newborn king, there had been wise women that had gone instead? Well, it's been said that one difference would have been if there had been wise women instead of wise men visiting the newborn king is that they would have stopped, asked for directions, and arrived on time. Uh, Because, again, scholars believe that Jesus was probably about two years old when the wise men visited him. A second thing that would have been different if there was wise women is that they would have probably been there to help deliver and care for the baby. Third, it's been said that wise women would have offered to clean the stable or the house before they hit the road. Fourthly, wise women would have probably made Mary and Joseph a good Lutheran casserole as well. And five, it's been said that wise women would have brought very practical gifts. Well, it's sort of a cute joke when I ran across it a couple of weeks ago. It made me chuckle. But seriously, when you think about it, the three gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus that first Christmas reflected their belief and their faith and trust and their identity, who they thought this newborn king was. And of course, they brought gold Frankincense and myrrh. Those were gifts fit for a king. Those were gifts that were typically given to earthly rulers at that time in history. But they were also gifts that were widely offered in worship. So gifts fit for a god. Today we continue in our Advent sermon series titled The Three Gifts, where we're going to look at three gifts that we can give to Jesus this Advent season, like the wise men of old, reflect our faith and our trust and our identity in him. Now, last week, Pastor Dave Keck kicked off the service talking about the first gift that we can give to Jesus this Advent season, and that's the gift of following. Today, I'm going to share the second gift we can give our Lord and Savior this Advent season. It's the gift of witness. The gift of witness is sharing the greatest gift of all time, the greatest news regarding a gift that keeps on giving for eternity. It's sharing the good news of the gospel, of what it means to follow the babe of Bethlehem, now our main text for our time in God's Word today will be the Gospel reading that Desiree read, and it's Matthew's account of the Transfiguration, and we pick up revisiting the first three verses of chapter 17. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. There, he Jesus was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Now wouldn't that have been a pretty cool scene to, you know, be hanging out there with Moses and Elijah as well? That had to be quite a transformational event, and it would be. Now the story of the transfiguration reminds us of who God really is and what he was and what he has done for us through his son, our Lord, the babe of Bethlehem, Jesus Christ. The transfiguration gave three of the disciples, Peter and James and John then, as well as you and I today, a greater understanding of this Jesus that we love and that we serve. In the transfiguration, Christ underwent a dramatic change in appearance in order that the disciples as the choir sang in the opening song, could behold him, could come to him, could behold him in glory. The disciples that had only known him up to this point in human bodily form, now they would have a greater understanding of this Jesus, true man and true God. Though they would not fully understand it, it would equip them better to share the gift of witness to others about this Jesus that they were following. Let's pick up the Transfiguration text now at verse 5. And while he, Peter, was speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, those should be familiar words to us because earlier in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, those are the words the Father speaks on the occasion of Jesus' baptism. And the disciples were to follow Jesus, to listen to Jesus, and to give him the gift of witness. Now, today, you and I, as we're called to give the gift of witness to Jesus in our everyday lives, have the opportunity to share that gift with people that we live with in our homes, extended family members, family members. Maybe other family members, friends, or neighbors who don't know the Lord, the people we go to school with who don't know Jesus, the people we work with, the people we encounter in the marketplace of life. Now, from our story of the Transfiguration Day, there's four key words that we're going to focus on. There are four attributes of Jesus that can help us come and arrive at, by the power of the Holy Spirit, a deeper understanding of Jesus who he is, and what he's called us to be, and it will enable us to more effectively give that gift of witness to Jesus this Advent season. And all four words start with P. So the first P word from this incredible story of the Transfiguration is that we learn that Jesus was powerful. He's very powerful. God at the transfiguration pulls the veil back, so to speak. And Peter and James and John are allowed to see the full pre-incarnational glory of Jesus. Now, the word transfiguration is from the Greek, the Greek word metamorphos, from which we get the word metamorphosis, which means the change. And Jesus underwent quite a change in this episode. We saw read earlier in verse 2 that it said the face of Jesus at the transfiguration, shined like the sun. That's pretty bright. Mark's gospel account, chapter 9, of the same event said that Jesus would shine in a way that he was brighter than clothes could be bleached. Luke, in recording the same event, the ninth chapter of his gospel said that Jesus was brighter than a bolt of lightning. Max Lucado, who for many of us is a very favorite Christian author and and pastor, puts it this way regarding the transfiguration. He says, At the transfiguration, Christ is his truest self, wearing his pre-Bethlehem and his post-resurrection wardrobe. So what we're saying here is he's powerful. Jesus is God, God incarnate, true God and true man, and he's powerful today. But I think many times people today, we don't realize the power of Jesus, do we? And that's even true as Christians sometimes as well. There's people today that may just think Jesus was a good teacher or a mere moral philosopher or a man of justice, a person of compassion, and all those things are true, but it's so much more. He was the Son of God. And in our gift of witness, we are called to powerfully and boldly share the news of who Jesus was, who he is, Now, it made me think back, uh, this goes back some years in my church work ministry career. It goes back to the 1980s. Um, I was teaching uh, theology, religion classes at Concordia Lutheran High School in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I just loved teaching the the teens' religion uh, during those years. And in one of my classes, a New Testament section, sophomores had to take it, um, we were talking one afternoon about the nature of Christ, true God and true man. And one of the boys raised his hand and said, Mr. Ewell, I've got a comment. I go, Okay. And he said, to me, what you're saying is, Jesus is like God with skin on. And I said, that's a pretty astute observation for a 15-year-old. In a sense, he is God with skin on. He was listening in class. That was always encouraging too. But again, he got it. And that's what Jesus is saying. He tells his disciples in John 14:9: anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. He's powerful. He's God with skin on. The second P word from the story of the transfiguration that can help us grow deeper in understanding of Jesus and enable us to be more effective in giving our gift of witness this Advent season is that Jesus is a priority. He's powerful and he's a priority. He used to be a priority in our witness. He is to be a priority in our life because it's all about Jesus in this life when we boil it down. And again, from our transfiguration text, we see this. At verse 4, Moses and Elijah are now on the scene. And Peter is so excited. And he says in verse 4, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And of course, Moses was the great lawgiver, right? represents the law of the Old Testament. He's the one that God put the tablets with the Ten Commandments in his hands from out, on Mount Sinai. And Elijah, of course, was one of the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. But at the Transfiguration, what we see illustrated is that Jesus fulfills both the law of the Old Testament, represented by Moses, and all the numerous Old Testament prophecies about his coming as represented by Elijah. So Jesus fulfills the law, he fulfills the prophet, and the law and the prophets must give way to Jesus. Now Peter gets a little distracted here in the story, and I couldn't blame him. But then by verse 8, those two great figures go away. Moses and Elijah leave the scene, and Scripture says, when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus, in Matthew 7, 8. Jesus is first. Jesus is primary. He is a priority. No one else is on equal footing with Jesus. Not even Moses. Not even Elijah. And that needs to be clear in our gift of witness in our lives that it's all about, and only about, Jesus. For our gift of witness, uh, this Advent season, looking at the transfiguration, we've seen that, one, Jesus is powerful. Two, he's a priority, the third P word that we can glean from our text that can help us in giving that effective gift of witness to Jesus this season is that he's personable. He is a personable God. He is true man. He is true God. He is all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all loving. And he desires a personal relationship with you and with me and with all people. And you don't see that in any other world religion do you? Now, to step back for a moment, we know Christianity is the only one true faith, right? The only true faith. There's only one God, the God of the Bible, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Triune God. But if you look at all the other religions of the world, you look at their belief systems and all the gods and goddesses that may make up that belief system, it's only in Christianity where you see a God, where you see the creator who wants to have an intimate personal relationship with the created, right? With the humans, that is so awesome about our God. And we see that reflected in our text today as well. Look at verse 6 from Matthew's account of the transfiguration. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground terrified. But Jesus came and he touched them. You see that personal aspect. He says, get up. Don't be afraid. Our God, who is all-powerful, who is just, who is the creator of the world, is also a God who is full of love. And mercy and grace. And he desires each and every person to have a relationship with him, an intimate encounter with him, and to be saved. Now, some people in the world today, and even sometimes as Christians, sometimes we can go a little askew of our view of God at times. Sometimes we'll go to some extremes on the spectrum. On the one hand, sometimes people only will see God or think of God as a judge, right? As a lawgiver, as a creator someone that will be punished, they don't know the love of God. They don't know that grace, that undeserved love. Or sometimes we flip the coin and we go on the other end of the spectrum. Or there's people out there that just view God as just a great big genie, big jolly merry Santa Claus running around dispensing cheap grace and ignoring the reality of sin. But those, both those aren't the God of the Bible, is it? The God of the Bible, the God of our witness this Advent season, yes, is a judge, He is a creator, he is all-powerful, he is all-knowing, but he's also merciful, he's full of grace, he is the awesome triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who will never stop loving us, and there's not anything that any person in this world could ever do that would cause God never to love them, to ever stop forgiving you or me. He wants to know every single person personally and have that person be saved. So in looking at the transfiguration, we've seen one, Jesus is powerful. Second P word, he's a priority. A third P word, he's personable. And the fourth P word is, and I'm sure we're all wondering, wait, what's the fourth P word? He's passionate. He is a passionate God. Jesus is passionate about his mission. And he wants us to be passionate about the mission and the witness he's called us to. Jesus is very passionate about why he came. On this first transfiguration, Peter, James, and John saw Jesus in his glorified form. It was a preview of the coming glorification of Jesus. His enthronement as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is a preview of the very soon to happen First Good Friday and First Easter morning. And when you think of Advent, Advent, we celebrate two comings, right? We celebrate that not only that he will come again someday, That second coming, as we'll sing at the end of the service today, soon and very soon. But we also remember that first coming, why he came to begin with, to carry out the mission of Good Friday and Easter morning. Jesus is passionate about his mission. He was there to die for Peter and for James and John and for you and me and for all people, anyone ever born or to be born, people that would know him, people that would not know him, people that would hate him he carried out that mission and he wanted those three disciples that day to catch the passion that he had in their gift of witness. Well, why was Jesus so passionate about a mission in which he was going to die? A mission that was not going to be fun. A mission that was going to be painful. And it was. He would be executed in the worst form of capital punishment known and practiced at that time in the world. So expertly executed. So um, with great precision to inflict maximum pain by the Romans preceded by a tremendous period of suffering and beating and mocking. He did it for every sin committed or would be committed. He did it even though he never did anything wrong. He's true God and a true man. And it was tough. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked his father, Father, is there any other way to carry out this mission? But Jesus did it passionately for you and me because we have a sin problem. And our sin problem means that sin separates us from God, apart from the love of our God. And that's why he sent Jesus on that mission. That's the reason for Advent. And Jesus faithfully and perfectly and passionately fulfilled that mission and his divine destiny. And that's the loving, passionate gift we celebrate. That's our gift of witness to Jesus this season, witnessing to the powerful, priority, priority, uh, Uh, personal, passionate Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but this is a pretty busy time of the year. And the next two weeks are not going to get any less busy for any of us. Now, I'm not going to ask by a show of hands, but some of us may still have a little Christmas shopping to do. Maybe some of us have an initial list to make. We haven't even thought about it. There may be gifts to wrap and cookies to bake and cookies to eat and parties to attend and parties to plan and lights to get up. And Christmas programs and concerts to attend, plans to make for Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, the day after New Year, there's travel that may go with it, and all the other busyness that comes with the end of the calendar year. Wow, it's busy. But boy, I have a passion for Christmas. I love Christmas. But in the midst of the busyness and the good and the stress and the struggles that can come with this time of the year, it's easy for us to lose the reason for the season. Isn't it so easy to get distracted in life? I think today in this age of social, it's, it's, easy, it's easier than ever to get distracted, <laughs> I think, in life. And it's so easy to get distracted in the month of December with everything going on to what God has called us to do and be in this life and be in this season. The fact of the matter is Jesus is the reason for this Advent and this Christmas season. His passion always was and his passion will always be for saving people. That's his passion. That's in his DNA. That's what his name means. The name Jesus means God saves. And how passionate are we this Christmas season about sharing the gift of witness, the good news of what following the babe of Bethlehem means in our life. A famous atheist once said this. He said, if I actually believed what my Christian friends believe happens after death regarding heaven and hell, He said, I would not waste one waking minute of my life. He said, I might not even be able to sleep because if I actually believed what Christians believe about Jesus and what life eternal means with or without him, why would I want anyone to perish and not know Jesus? We owe it to those people that we have a relationship with, that we know, that do not have that personal saving faith relationship with Christ. We owe it to the people who we don't know that we encounter to share the good news that God loves them, that God will always forgive them. And in an increasingly hate-filled, divisive, crazy world, there is hope in Jesus. Now, we're talking about giving the gift of witness, the gift of witness to Jesus. Well, there's three things that are true generically about a witness of any kind or stripe in life. Number one, a witness tells what he or she knows. Secondly, a witness shares what he or she has experienced. And thirdly, a witness remains loyal and faithful to the end. Like the wise men brought gifts to Jesus that very first Christmas that reflected their faith and trust in him and were statements as to who they believed he was, May we this Christmas and Advent season bring to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit the gift of witness. May we share with all whom we come into contact with in these crazy busy days and weeks to come the gift of witness, the good news about Jesus. That they too would have the chance to be transfigured. That they too would have the chance to be transformed by our witness to our powerful, priority, personal, passionate Savior that people who don't know the reason for this season would come to know Jesus and be changed forever. In the name of Jesus, amen.